I'm telling I'm, I'm going a different yeah, way. Yeah. And I, there's a lot of thought here. I'm very proud of myself. Limited brain capacity, and I'm very proud of myself. 12 publishing houses rejected J.K. Rowling's Harry Potter <laughs> manuscript. You're listening to Unscripted with Mike and Chris, brutally honest sports talk. And now, here is Mike Jansen. Just desserts. Hmm. No, we're not talking about apple pie or pecan pie or all the things that I like, the sweets that I like. And I know Chris isn't a big sweets guy, but uh, I am. And uh, I love cake. I love candy. I love... um, But anyway, I'm just babbling here. As we say hi and welcome you to this 526th episode of Unscripted Simulcasting. I like that. I really think that's cool. Video over there. Hi. Milwaukee Bucks. Absolutely. Um, I know we're not the favorite, but I'm going to think we're going to surprise some people in this bubble if it gets started down in Orlando and the NBA. But in this episode, Chris and I are going a little bit different way. We want to have some fun with this. We've taken care of kind of the business, if you will, in the previous episode, 525, looked at the things that were making news and notes from the wonderful and wacky world of sports. But here in 526, we're going to have some fun. Um, Now, if Chris gets mad at me and beats the crap out of me, well, I guess I had it coming, but... We, uh, I did things a little bit different. You know, I like to expand my boundaries every now and then and get out of this, the world of sports a little bit. I've got mostly sports guys in here, but this exercise, we have, we put our brains together and, uh, it was something that we both kind of, a lot of different intangibles were part of this decision, but ultimately we're going to take a look at some people. And in my cases, some things that people got their just desserts. They were screw-ups, they were, you know, what-ups, they were whatever. Assholes. Okay, that too. And now they're getting what's coming to them. Mm-hmm. That's why Chris came up with the, the title of Just Desserts, and I really like that. So I want to start with Chris. He'll give me his 10th or whatever number, and we'll go down numerically, down to one. I've got 10 right here, 10. I've got 10. And uh, I've got mostly sports things, but i got a couple of things that I think you'll really like. Okay. I wasn't going to tell you about it because you'll probably say, well, it wasn't a sports guy. You're right. It wasn't a sports guy. But, you know, um, all of my sports guys, some of them had COVID-19. Okay. Um, (laughs) Just a joke. Just a joke. So we'll start with this top 10 just desserts. We'll start with the boss. He'll give us his number 10. Then I'll give you my 10 and we'll go down systematically down to number one. And... I'm going to give you a little bit of a heads up. Mine deserves to be number one on this list, and it's not O.J. Simpson. Well, he never got his just desserts. That's right, and that's what we discussed, and that's why he didn't make this list, because O.J. Simpson only gets his just desserts if he's in the ground. Yeah, yeah. So someday he'll be on the list. Someday he will be on the list. Yeah, when we the day after he passes, we're going to do this again. And he will be numbers one, two, three, four, five on my 10-person list. Let's start. Number 10, sir, the floor is yours. Okay, and I always uh, like to do something like this, but I'm going to give just a quick, what I'm going to call a dishonorable mention. Okay. Instead of an honorable mention, I'm going to do that for Victor Ortiz, who I don't know that he was a, that bad of a guy or anything in general. However, he was fighting Floyd Mayweather, and he made the cardinal sin that you can do in boxing, which is, everyone knows this, protect yourself at all times. The, the ref says it every time. It's just general knowledge. You know, you're in the ring. Protect yourself at all times. There's no exceptions to that, right? And so he was losing to Floyd. He gives Floyd a really brutal headbutt. They take a point away. They start the fight again, and Floyd kind of looked like he was going to hug him or something. And then Floyd just won two and, you, and knocked him out nice. in the fourth round. And he almost looked like after the first one, he kind of looked at the ref, Ortiz, and he just wasn't protecting himself at all times. And it was ridiculous. So... He, uh, he got what he had coming to him. But anyway, that's my dishonorable mention. At number 10, and I actually don't really take any joy in this, or I don't want to, <laughs> but, it's, but I hate hypocrisy. <clears throat> I hate hypocrisy. It's just the worst. And so you have to go with Lance Armstrong. I mean... Oh, I have him I, on here. Oh, I'm yeah. sure he's on there. Some, I'm sure we're going to have some of the same guys on here, right? Mm-hmm. But I mean... I know everyone was doing it, but they said like he and his manager had the most elaborate drug, you know, doping, uh, you know, operation you could possibly have, how intricate it was and the detail to it and everything. 
And I don't know, just to keep winning, winning seven. And you're just, we talked about this when we had our top 10 douchebags and I brought up Rosie Ruiz uh, for the right, Boston, the Boston Marathon. Marathon cheater. Yeah. yeah. Like, how do you do that? How do you just step out half a mile away, run across the finish line and like, oh, and take the admiration and. and- you're not sweating. <laughs> <laughs> I think, well, no, I saw, I think she dumped she some water dumped on her. She dumped some water on her. Yeah. But like, how do you live with, that? how do you do that? I'm just not a sociopath, I guess. Like, no, I, you don't I don't, qualify. I don't, you weren't at the meeting last uh, week. <laughs> unbelievable though. But I mean, Lance Armstrong and so, and so many people on that Live Strong charity and raised so many, so much money. And it was such a motivating thing. And then it all went away and it was just terrible all because of hypocrisy and yeah you gotta have lance armstrong in any list like this unfortunately yeah no question my number 10 and again this is almost uh, this is almost like uh for coffee drinkers and i'm not a coffee drinker but this is just like coffee and sugar coffee or cream whatever you take in your coffee this is just automatic with this list and me and my feelings about this person how can any list of basic morons not include that legend in his own mind. Who is it? John Manziel. Hmm. Oh, I didn't think you'd have him that low. Oh no, I, 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 I've got some beauties. I, I really thought about this a lot more than the headlines this week. I thought about this a lot. How can you have any list of basic morons and not include that legend in his own mind, John Manziel, from Heisman Trophy winner in 2012, 2012 to alienating? himself to every and all football leagues in North America, not invited to play anywhere. Um, way to go, John. Um, he, he recently has come out and said he thinks his football career is over. Well, yeah, you can't go back to college, you idiot. And there is no pro league that wants your sorry ass. So I think that's inevitable. Maybe a little higher than obviously Chris thought, but I've got some doozies on this list. But you cannot have a list of people getting their just desserts without John Manziel not being able to play football. Wow, I thought he'd be in your top three. I knew he'd be on the list. I just I thought he'd be top three, but okay. Anyway, at number nine, we have the human punchline, Tanya Harding. <laughs> and I mean, how good might it, must it have been to be David Letterman or Jay Leno in that like 1993 to 1995 they were like everything from the guy gets caned in Singapore to Tanya Harding to Bill Clinton doing whatever. Like <laughs> it was just nonstop. Like it must have been the easiest job ever. Like every day is every something. Day. Oh yeah. Uh, you know John Wayne Bobbitt and like who? Yeah. Are, like I oh mean, my god, John Wayne Bobbitt. Good yeah. grief! Like every day was just something ridiculous. <laughs> like it was crazy, and they would just milk. It's like. Like, they must have done a Tanya Harding joke on every, every late-night show every day for at least a year. Yeah, but, for sure. Oh, it was for crazy. Sure. But just, you know, what a rotten weirdo. And she was never the, the best-looking thing ever. And then all of a sudden now, if you if you see her, it's, uh, it's not good. And, um, yeah, she was just the human punchline to this day. I mean, that's over a quarter century ago. And still, I mean... You, you got to bring her up as just an, the ultimate punchline in, in almost any situation. Just just an idiot. Well, number nine on my list, um, I'm taking shots at 12 publishing houses. Okay. I'm telling, I'm, I'm going a different yeah, way. Yeah. And I, there's a lot of thought here. I'm very proud of myself. Limited brain capacity, and I'm very proud of myself. 12 publishing houses rejected J.K. Rowling's Harry Potter manuscript <laughs> before Bloomsbury finally took her on. And the books were subsequently translated into 60 languages and have earned Rowling over a billion dollars. So the 12 publishing houses that rejected Rowling's manuscript, you are getting your just desserts. I think that's, <laughs> for me, I am so far out of my realm of, of comfort zone. I am so happy with this one. 12 publishing houses rejected Rowling's Harry Potter manuscript, and finally Bloomsbury took her on. They translated it into 60 languages, and they've earned her over a billion dollars. Have you ever watched or read Harry Hell Potter? Hell no. I've never, I don't know. I've never watched or read All I know is how successful. You can't have this book on a bookshelf anywhere. Uh, and it just, it's, it's amazing. And, uh, 12, pu- see, that's, I'm trying to send a message to people that never give up. I mean, 12, she took this to 12 different publishing houses. 
And on the 13th, the lucky number 13, 13th kick in the can, Bloomsbury says, why not? And I think they've all profited very well. So yeah. to the 12 wow. publishing houses, you are getting your just desserts. Wow. Okay. All you right. didn't like that, did you? I, I just, it was... Didn't a cur- expect I, it. I couldn't have possibly expected that. There's, <laughs> there's, no, way, there's no way I could have expected that. The look on that. your face was worth it. <laughs> all right. Uh, at number eight, I have got disgraced South African... Uh, sprinter Oscar Pistorius with the oh, with yeah the, with the, the prosthetic leg yeah yeah uh, sort of like Lance Armstrong just such an inspiration a global icon uh, in a global sport and to then murder his girlfriend and then have to go to jail like to go from like he was the feel good story of 2012 no question oh I mean like I remember the first time I ever saw him was on I think a Gatorade commercial but it, it, the commercial ends with him running and I'm, I'm like who is that right. My, and then you start hearing about him competing at the Paralympics right. and the Rio Olympics. Yeah. And uh, it was it was just such a good story. And then, you know, and it seemed so weird because he comes out and he says, yeah, I thought an intruder was breaking in my house and I shot them and it was my girlfriend. And turns out, no, he just killed his girlfriend. And what a ridiculous story. So, I mean, a lot of these, well, like yeah, some of these I have, I'm having trouble enjoying. Like the ones at the top of my list I enjoy and I can watch over and over and over. Like, I'm not going to sit down and watch Oscar Pistorius no. suffering in a courtroom over and over. That doesn't make me feel good. We're going to get to some that make me feel good. good. I, I had to include them, but it well, for sure. It just makes me feel sad, though. Well, number eight on my list was number 10 on Chris's list. Lance Armstrong uh, truly, seemingly to me, still believes that everything he did, all the cheating, the lying, the screwing over of people, was justified in trying to win bike races. He is not sorry, and to me, deserves everything he is not getting these days. And if I didn't see, I mean, there was just a 30 for 30 uh, documentary done on Lance Armstrong. I would not watch it because it involved, well, Lance Armstrong. Everything he's not getting these days, he's getting. In my opinion, and I think yours too, obviously, he's getting his just desserts. Mm -hmm. Okay, at number seven, I've got a guy here who made actually what I would have thought at the time would have been a great deal. I would have made this deal, especially since he didn't even want to have this guy and he traded him away for a king's ransom. I I mean, I can't fault the trade, but because this guy is just an asshole in general... Oh, I know who this is. You know? Are you thinking about Al Davis? No, I was actually thinking of Peter Pocklington up in Edmonton. Oh, boy. Well, that guy... Uh, he's basically OJ for me. So, right. I mean, until so he's me. later on. Yeah, in your he, list. yeah okay. we'll, we'll get to but him. But at least I was someday. thinking in the right vein, right? Yeah, no, we're talking about Al Davis trading John Gruden. Now, yeah. look, you want to get rid of a coach. Fire and, him. Yeah, yeah, but some team offers you two first, two seconds, yeah. and $8 million cash. Yeah. Here you go. <laughs> no problem. Okay. So, I can't fault the trade. I mean, well, that's just, that's crazy to do that, to trade a coach like that. But then you go to this, and then especially if you're good enough to go to the Super Bowl without him right away anyway. But then who's waiting yeah. for you? <laughs> Gruden's who, Buccaneers. And who kicks your ass 48-21? Gruden's in a, Buccaneers. Oh, man. And just the, if it, see, if it was any, like, if it was a nice guy who made that trade, I would have felt bad. I'm like, man, that's such a good trade on paper. And you do that trade, get all that draft capital and that cash. And then you go to the Super Bowl without the guy anyway. Like, oh, Beautiful. But, <laughs> but because because it's L. Davis and it was such poetic justice, it was just beautiful. And the Raiders have really never recovered. No, I, I do want to say I, I've always said that if Las Vegas ever got an NFL team, they would be my team. So I will. I don't want it to affect my betting or anything, but I, I do want to you know a bit cheer for them. But have you seen their new helmets? No, they've changed the Raiders' helmets. Oh, but it's still the emblem. And... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. They're the nicest helmets I've ever seen. I will sh- I will show you. I will show you actually well, while you're I'll, taking I'll your next go one. down and, and maybe I'll buy you a, a t shirt or something with Las oh. Vegas Raiders on it no, in no, a couple same, of weeks. Same logo, but I will show you the, the yeah. helmet in a second here and it is beautiful. Like just the nicest it, it, like it's badass and mean, but still just beautiful. Like wow. I'll I'll show Kinda it. Kind of like you. Vegas casinos. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, All right, go ahead. You know, no, but real quick, um the uh, Raiders made a hiring yesterday, did you hear? I don't know who. The Raiders have a new team chaplain. You know who it is? What's a team chaplain? Uh, the guy that delivers the prayers before the games and the prayers after the games and is there to counsel players a that Las need Vegas that. personality? Oh, yeah. Who's that? Wayne Newton? <laughs> no, <I told> <laughs> That's good. Randall Cunningham. 
Oh. Randall Cunningham, when he retired from the NFL, started a uh, some kind of church in Vegas. He's from Vegas. Well, he's from L.A., but he played ball at UNLV, our second most famous graduate after, no, third most famous graduate after Jimmy Kimmel and me. Mm-hmm. Um, not really. I'm first. Um, but anyway, uh, they have a new team chaplain in Las Vegas. Used to be Napoleon Kaufman, who played tailback for them back in the 90s, but he's stayed in Oakland because he's got a job coaching a local high school football team in Oakland. But Randall Cunningham is the new team chaplain for the Las Vegas Raiders. In Las Vegas, that could be a tough job, let me tell you. Number seven, I don't know if you're going to be familiar with this, but I think people that are my age are certainly going to know this company. This company is getting their just desserts right now here, folks. DECA Records, D-E-C-C-A Records. In February of 1962, a relatively unknown band named The Beatles <laughs> auditioned for DECA Records, made 15 songs, did 15 different tracks on 15 songs for DECA Records, but DECA Records rejected The Beatles. How big of a screw-up did that one turn out to be? And I guess it's safe to say that DECA Records are getting their just desserts because they they made John, Paul, George, and at that time it wasn't Ringo. Ringo was mm-hmm. not the drummer in 62. But John, Paul, George, and somebody else, they made him do 15 songs. They rejected them. And then, of course, in 64, they come to the United States, and, well, the rest is history. But DECA Records, boy, if there's anybody <laughs> affiliated with DECA Records in London, or maybe that's Liverpool, I don't know, but somewhere in... Great Britain, Decca Records, if there's any representative still alive, they've got to be kicking themselves in the ass every day for not saying, okay, here, sign here, because we all know what happened to the, the goddamn mm-hmm. Beatles. So that's my number seven. All right. Uh, and, you know, I'm looking for that helmet, and um, I don't see it there really. I, I saw it on Twitter the other day, and, and maybe it was just a concept. I don't know for sure. I didn't check if it was real, but people were freaking out about it. And they had four different pictures of it, so it looked pretty real. But it was like this matte black. So picture like if the Minnesota Vikings helmet, yeah. like that matte look, yeah, yeah, if, but yeah. if it was black, and then with the Raiders logo on the. So side. they're not they're not gray anymore or silver. Well, I, again, I don't know if oh, this okay. one is for sure legitimate or just a concept. But the picture was pure black with the Oakland Raiders logo on it. Yeah, but. Like they were just the nicest helmet I've ever seen. They wow, were just, they were great. I hope that I hope that's the real helmet because right. it was amazing. Like it's still badass and everything, but it was it was great. Wow. Anyway, okay. So at number six, I've got a three way tie because this is basically all three of these people did the same thing essentially, and this is yapping all about to everyone who, who will listen about what you're going to do in your life and you're going to win all this and you're going to be undefeated or whatever your problem is. So we've got a three-way tie. We've got Ryan Leaf saying, oh, we're going to have a couple Super Bowls going down like Main Street in San Diego. So, you know, Ryan Leaf is just the ultimate punchline when it comes to drafts. If Ryan Leaf would have been taking first overall instead of second, he would be like... He's, oh, he's pretty much... He'd be the, bigger than Jamarcus Russell yes, in regard to yeah, draft busts, exactly, in my opinion. Exactly. So he already is... Even at number two, I think most people, he's the first name that comes to mind, even as a number two. But uh, he said that, and he couldn't complete a pass. You know, four interceptions and 16 yards in the one game or whatever. Then you have Ronda Rousey, your your favorite. (laughs) When she was undefeated and just steamrolling people, and she was just like, yeah, I'm going to retire undefeated, she said, and all this other stuff. And then she had her last two fights where she just got absolutely destroyed in both of them. And then that was it. And then she went to wrestling. And then this one will be near and dear to your heart because the Packers... Uh, benefited from this and that of course is Matt Hasselbeck saying we want the ball and we're gonna score score. yeah yeah so uh don't yap about what you're going to do just fucking go out and do it and then relax and enjoy the adulation afterwards and just talk about how great you are when you've already done it don't make these predictions because it bites you in the ass and uh we also what happened to all three of these people in the end my number five um is Oh, no, no, sorry, that's right. Number six, sorry. Oh, this guy's, this guy, this guy should be in prison, and he is in prison. Chad Curtis, probably don't know him. Mm, He's kind of a reserve outfielder, most of the time spent with the Indians, spent some time with the New York Yankees. If I remember correctly, he spent some time with the Arizona Diamondbacks. 
But this guy is the prototypical, in my estimation, especially as a father of two daughters, this guy's a piece of shit. This guy, the imprisoned ex-Major League Baseball outfielder with those teams that I mentioned, he molested a 15-year-old girl and then told the girl that they should write a book together to protect, listen to this, to protect future grown men from being seduced by 15-year-old girls. <laughs> I, don't, I don't even know where you start with that. I, you know, I had totally, I got to admit this, I had totally forgotten about Chad Curtis. That story sounds familiar. I'm, I'm sure I've heard oh, that I, story I've, in my life. And, and that's why I'm bringing it up again, yeah. because as soon as the name, wow. I, it flashed across, and I know this guy was a bit of a perv, but he molests a 15-year-old girl and then told the same girl that they should write a book together to protect future pervs from being seduced by 15-year-old girls. A 15-year-old girl. I have a 15-year-old daughter at home right now. And she's very smart young lady, but she doesn't even know. How do you how do what would well, how would a 15-year-old unless you're a Kardashian know what it is to seduce a man? But what what could a book possibly say that would prevent that? Uh, exactly. I, I mean it's it's ridiculous anyway, but No, just, it's absolutely preposterous. I'm just trying to think But of- I think this guy is getting his just desserts and if this guy ever gets out and breathes free air again, somebody should put a bullet between his brain just because that is preposterously stupid. That's, yeah, I, I was trying to like think of any any way that could make sense to any person, even if they're crazy. Like, yeah. I'm just like... I'm, and, who, and who's going to buy a book to, to describe how you're not supposed to seduce, how 15-year-old girls are like, not supposed to be... Y- or yeah. I, I just it yeah, it doesn't make any it, sense. It makes on any no level. sense. But I had to bring it in this list because we're looking wow. for scumbags, and this guy is really high up on the list of scumbags. Yeah. This is ridiculous. Oh, wow, that's wild. Okay, yeah. At number five, this guy wasn't nearly as bad, but he's still an asshole, and he still got knocked out and laid flat on his back by Ty Domi. And of course, we're <laughs> we're talking about everyone's favorite whipping boy from the early '90s, Alf Samuelson. Who, for hockey fans, was basically Tanya Harding, <laughs> and uh, you know this idiot. You know the famous knee on knee hits, especially on Cam Neely, and uh, everyone just can't stand stupid Alf Samuelson. And we've said like you know yeah. Seattle hires him. Yeah, good yeah. grief. Yeah. So anyway, but uh, yeah, just just a worthless asshole. And uh, I loved seeing Ty Domi just just like didn't just knock him out like he's literally just flat on his back like just comically almost the way he's sitting there. Alf Samuelson, uh, any hardcore hockey fan I know, has absolutely no love lost for Alf Samuelson. Nice. Again, yeah, just just an absolute punchline. Okay, let me get this right here as we say hi and welcome you again to this 526th episode, this 526th simulcasted episode of Unscripted. Video, hi, audio here. Uh, number five on my uh, Just Desserts list and this guy comes from personal experience. Let's go back to 1989, the NFL draft in 1989. Drafted number one overall by the Dallas Cowboys, Troy Aikman, Hall of Famer. Drafted number three overall by the Detroit Lions, Barry oh, Sanders, I know, I know this Hall is. of Famer. Uh, number four on the, in the 1989 draft, a guy by the name of Derek Thomas. He passed away a number of years ago, but still Hall of Famer. Number five on this list, could be on this list for being, getting his just desserts, but also a Hall of Famer, Deion Sanders. The second overall pick in the 1989 draft went to the Green Bay Packers, and this guy was supposed to be the greatest offensive lineman ever. There was a famous cover of him on Sports Illustrated about this massive, the, the, the incredible bulk. I remember the, the uh, photo, and I remember that that cover just like it was yesterday. But Tony Mandridge from Michigan State was the second overall pick in the 1989 draft where you've got Aikman ahead of him and Sanders, Thomas, and Sanders behind him, and I can guarantee you that Tony Mandridge can't even spell Hall of Fame. But this guy set the Packers organization back many, many years, and he was supposed to be, folks. And again, when he came out in 89, a lot of people thought he might even be the first overall pick instead of Troy Aikman. The Cowboys at that time were run by a guy by the name of Gil Brandt as their general manager, and he, thankfully for the Cowboys and Cowboys fans, they made the choice of obviously Troy Aikman, which turned out pretty damn good. But the Packers general manager at the time was a guy by the name of Tom Bratz, and 
I guess you could say in 1989, in April of 89, that Tony Mandrich fell into his lap. But regardless, all Tony did was puke all over Packer fans for the three or four years he was in Green Bay. He did, to some extent, resurrect his career in Indianapolis a couple years after he left Green Bay. But this guy, folks, was supposed to be the greatest offensive tackle ever. He lasts three years in Green Bay, didn't even play the first year, couldn't even get a starting job the first year after being the second overall pick and was supposed to be, again, God's creation of of offensive linemen. But then obviously they find out he's juicing and obviously he just beat the crap out of people when he was at Michigan State. Then he tried to do that in the pros. He had no technique. And this guy, well, (laughs) he is a royal piece of crap. And uh, obviously Tony Mandrich fits comfortably on my list at number five. Yeah, awesome. Okay. All right, going to number four. So this is the, I, like for this guy, I thought about making him number one. I thought about making him a dishonorable mention. It's tough to classify him for me, but I thought, okay, he deserves to be near the top. I'm going to put him at the top of my list where I didn't, I don't really enjoy talking about him or, or watching what he, or well, not that we get to watch what he did really, but I left my top three for just, I enjoyed the crap. I still can just enjoy it over and over again. So at the top of uh, the list, other than that, at number four, we have Aaron Hernandez, who, of course... I was going to put him in my list, yeah, but well, I, I had trouble pulling the trigger. Yeah, that's it's a, it's kind of a, like, eh, but, you know, he killed, what, three people? Correct. I think two over a spilled drink, at least one of whom was his actual friend, allegedly. And the guy was just garbage, just the ultimate douchebag. And uh, the thing is, I felt like I had to put him on the list because he really got what he deserved in the end. (laughs) Really, really got it, even if it was from himself. And so, yeah, he was just, uh, just, uh, just rotten and just had the whole world. Like, I mean, think like he could have been Gronk. Like it was him and Gronk is like two tight end sets. I mean, it was unbelievable. He could have, he could have been like with Gronk this whole time. He could have, Aaron Hernandez would have won a few more Super Bowls. He would have been a hall of famer. He would have, like, he had everything and well, just and gave it away also, for nothing. And he also uh, had two uh, collegiate national championships at Florida oh, with Tim Tebow and, of course, our favorite Urban Meyer. So um, unbelievable talent. And, and the, probably yeah. of all the names so far, I don't know the rest of your list, you don't know the rest of mine, but I can tell you so far, biggest waste of talent maybe ever. Um, unbelievably talented young man, and it just gets obviously washed away. Number four on my list is quite arguably one of the most despised people in the NBA still to this day. Detroit uh, Pistons point guard Isaiah Thomas. Oh, I was hoping you were going to say him. Left off the 1992 Dream Team, and I think it had everything to do when the Bulls finally overtook. And we saw this. You saw it documented. If you saw the Last Dance Mm -hmm. documentary of Michael Jordan, when the Bulls finally overtook the Pistons, I believe in 90 or 91, probably 91 when the Bulls won their first championship. But in 91, they finally get over the hump. They beat uh, the uh, Detroit Pistons to advance to the NBA Finals in 91. And as the game is still going on, the Pistons walk off the court, just bypassing, Mm -hmm. walking right by the Bulls bench, not saying hi, not saying congratulations, not even telling them to you-know-what off. But this guy, to me, is just... He, he's devilish in the way that he smiles, mm-hmm. the way he looks. People think he's still got that baby face, but my God, underneath that baby face, underneath that baby face, folks, in my opinion, is a crook. And he continues to be a bit of a douchebag to me. Plus, of course, he had sexual harassment charges filed against him uh, from a female coworker when he was the general manager of the New York Knicks. He also helped bankrupt the one-time minor leagues of the NBA, which was the old Continental Basketball Association. And he was the president at one time of the Continental Basketball Association. And that league went bankrupt under his, uh, whatever you call it, under his watch. And then, of course, really high on him on my list in regard to why Isaiah Thomas is on this list is because he's friends with James Dolan. So (laughs) um, Isaiah Thomas, for me, could have been higher but I needed to have this piece of crap on my list. 
Isaiah Thomas creeps me out. Like I don't. I've never been in the same room with him. Oh, I've I've never been in the same room with him. But I just I look at him and I just he just gives me the creeps. I don't know. You know when they take in somebody and there's a mug shot and the guy's got like the wide eyes and you're like, yeah. how did someone not see that this guy is a nut job? Right. That's Isaiah Thomas oh, to me. Absolutely. I'm like absolutely any any charm or charisma anyone thinks he and has you know is, what? does I, not resonate with me at all. I have read. Uh, a great book about the dream team that was done by Jack. He used to be the lead uh, NBA writer at Sports Illustrated, Jack McCollum. He wrote a book about dream team, about how the team was put together. And and, uh, Isaiah Thomas, uh, with all his immaturity and all his stupid things, I mean, you piss off Michael Jordan Mm -hmm. at that time when you're talking about the best player on the planet Mm -hmm. and Jordan doesn't want to play with you, Mm -hmm. Jordan doesn't want to have anything to do with you, uh, obviously froze him out of an an all-star game years ago. Isaiah Thomas did all this to himself. I don't give a damn what anybody says. And I got to say this, when he was at Indiana playing for Coach Knight, I liked Isaiah Thomas. Mm. Because, well, remember, I'm not the biggest guy. Isaiah Thomas was unbelievably small to play the way he did Mm -hmm. in major college basketball. And he was a two-time champion in the NBA with the Pistons. But Isaiah Thomas, for small guys like me, was kind of the the guy. Mm-hmm. I mean, you wanted to kind of emulate his game. But then when you start reading about all the extracurricular bullshit with Isaiah Thomas and so insecure in my in my estimation, and you want to take on Jordan, <laughs> there's, there's a big reason why Isaiah Thomas was not on that 90, 1992 Dream Team. And all of it is because of him himself he did it to himself yeah a great great pick there by you i just yeah that guy i've never liked that guy because i didn't know him in college uh, and uh yeah i never liked him at all and so glad jordan froze him out there all right let's get to the fun ones here our top three number three just desserts and if you ever make a list that's if we ever called it karma we you have to put this guy number one you have to have to have to and i don't even know his name but he has to be number one on any list if it's a pure karma list. And that, of course, is the Colorado Avalanche fan versus Steve Sullivan. Oh, yeah. Yes. Good one. You can't. Yeah. You'll never. You could watch sports for a thousand years. Yeah. This will never happen again. But uh, the Colorado Avalanche fan, when Steve Sullivan gets a busted nose there on the bridge of the nose or whatever, and the fan's like, oh, look at your nose and <laughs> making fun of him. And then a short, a short while later, I think it's Patrick Waugh shoots the puck over the glass, hits the guy in the face. Now he's bleeding the same spot. And then, you know, I, I, as you'd say, Steve Sullivan goes over and says, how's your mother and everything. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right. And, and all that and looks at him too. And the part, I had watched that highlight a hundred times before I noticed that his, the guy's wife or girlfriend is like holding a towel yes. on his face and she's happy about oh, it. Oh yeah. She yeah. knows he deserved it. Yeah. And she's like giving Steve Sullivan the thumbs up <laughs> and she's like, yeah. And she's like holding one hand is thumbs up. One hand is holding a towel on the face. And then when he hears Steve Sullivan, you see him like, what, what? And he's like looking up, like looking for him. Like, and he's just bleeding and embarrassed. I mean, I, I like, I don't really believe in karma, but I watch that and you, and you start to wonder. <laughs> that was a good one. That was really good. Okay, uh, number three. I'm really excited about this one. And I I legitimately, for about, okay, that long, three seconds, felt bad for this guy. This is not a sports guy, but this is my last non-sports guy, I promise. But this was, I just had to include this guy because you think about the ramifications of this decision that this guy made. You won't know his name, I don't think. You'll know the other two guys. Obviously, you'll know the other two guys. Ronald Wayne was this guy's name. He was the third co-founder and 10% shareholder of Apple. I, I Yeah, I, I know exactly who this is, yeah. In 1976, Wayne decided to sell his 10% share for a mere $800. Had he held on to that share, it would have been worth over a staggering $63 billion today. I just had to include that because, and I and I hope if Ronald Wayne, for some way, shape, or form, listens to this this episode, if he's alive today, I have no idea. I hope that he had to sell that eight hundred dollar share because he had to pay a bill or he had to help out his family or something. Because, my God, you think about that ten percent in nineteen seventy six. And what it's worth today in 2020, $63 billion. 
This guy gave but up. But if we're being fair, $800 back then would have been worth a few thousand today. Yeah, okay. Put any, <laughs> put any goddamn spin you want on it, pal. Are you kidding me? This guy, and again, I hope that there's some legitimacy that he needed the money for a, for a real cause. Yeah. Because if he just spent and, and cashed in his 10% stock on Apple because he needed to buy an expensive bag of weed or something, um, what a waste. I, I was, and, and nothing's going to compare to that, but, uh, I, I had, this, I'm sorry, but I had to include that on the list. I, I like that. No, that the, in a similar vein, I was watching Shark Tank a while back and a guy talked about how he had, he was on there trying to get his own business going, but he at one point had done like some IT or web design or something for some guy. And the guy was just getting some company started and didn't really have a lot of money. So he's like, well, I can, I can pay you, you know couple hundred bucks or whatever, or I can give you some shares in my company I'm starting or whatever. And so the guy actually was interested in taking the shares, but then his girlfriend at the time was like, no, you take, take the, money. the money. Yeah, of course. Right. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, the company was Under Armour. Oh, so, Jesus. So, I mean, he wouldn't have been worth 63 billion. It would have, no, I, but it would have been like a quarter million as his stock or whatever. That's but a better ROI than yeah, a couple hundred bucks. But so. still, yeah, of course. All right. At number two, boy, this puts a smile on my face. I just... I wish I could get a job working eight hours a day and all I, my only job was to watch this clip over and over again and I'd get paid. I'd work overtime some days. I'd never get tired of it. I'd smile and I'd laugh and I, I would do a good job. I'd like show up on time to work. I'd clock out. Like I'd, I'd stay a few extra minutes every day if my whole job was watching this clip over and over again. And it's, of course, Pedro Martinez throwing Don Zimmer to the ground. <laughs> I knew it. I had a, I had a because feeling. Because fuck that guy. I just... <laughs> it's so glorious. What's a glorious. 73-year-old guy trying to do fighting a young buck? It's so glorious. And I, you know, I feel bad that Pedro Martinez had to say that was the only regret of his career. I hope he's lying. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> and, you know, because... He, he should have clocked him in his face. But instead, he did the minimum. Like, like Don Zimmer unquestionably is, reach, is charging him and oh, yeah. reaching for his face. Like, right. uh, like, no question. And he steers him to the ground. But the way he steered him is just like, oh, I like to say in my head, ole, when it happens. And, <laughs> and he steers him. And the way he kind of steers him, and he lands flat on his stomach, and he just, like, with a thud, and then rolls. It's just, it's so beautiful. It's just, like, poetry to me. And I can watch it over and over again, and it's and because not because some old man got hurt, but because he deserved it, right? Like if Pedro Martinez runs in the dugout and punches him in the face, well, no, that's not good. But when you charge at some, you charge at a professional athlete in their prime, and you're like this lumbering old man. He's like he looked like a circle, absolutely, like Don Zimmer, like yeah, yeah. a circle or a rectangle, yeah. one of the two, right? Yeah. And he charges at him, and what? And he and he even admitted later he didn't know what he was thinking. Right. He just like. Like, I mean, and if you're going to go up, like, put your finger in someone's face and, like, hey, like, don't but, do that or something, but don't charge at the guy and lunge right, at him with your, both hands your face. anybody's natural instinct when you're getting charged at is to try to protect yourself. You know? I don't care if it's a 73-year-old man. If it was Zimmer charging me, I think I would have popped him in the nose, to be yeah. honest with well, you. But and again, I, I, so all, all, all the credit in the world to uh, Pedro Martinez for, for just, like, okay, I'm just going to put you on the ground, old man, right? And But the way... It's so smooth and beautiful. Like, it's just, it's like watching the ocean in the morning. Like, it's just, ah, like I can just sit out there, put out my feet, have a drink, and just watch that clip over and over, and I just never get tired of it. Number beautiful. two on my list, as we're going through our top ten of just desserts, people or organizations that we think have screwed up over the years, and they're getting their comeuppance, if you will. Uh, number two on my list um, I know this guy has apologized numerous times, but I can't forgive him. And I'm talking about former Ravens running back Ray Rice. Mm -hmm. After knocking his wife unconscious and dragging her body out of an elevator, um, he is getting his just desserts by never playing in the National Football League again. And he was a very, very good running back, but he has pissed away his chances just with that one instance in that elevator. And, um, you know, I again... I give him credit for going out and, and uh, soliciting help and getting some counseling. but And he's apologized for his actions, but there is no apology. I am of the firm belief, and um, I'm not talking about the Ronda Rouseys of the world that can protect themselves, but against a defensible, um, undef uh, a defenseless woman, uh, a professional athlete or any man should not lay his hands on a woman.
And um, I don't, uh, I don't come, you know, my, my, my family or my parents had problems, obviously, uh, my, my mother and father had problems. And I did see uh, some things that I am not going to talk about on Unscripted, but I never let my father forget that. And uh, I think society in general is reminding Ray Rice uh, that they will never totally forgive him for knocking his wife unconscious. And she can be the biggest bitch. She can be the biggest pain in the ass. She could have been ragging his ass for something. But my God, a National Football League player does not strike a woman in any way, shape, or form. But to knock her unconscious, there's a reason why Ray Rice is on this list. And I should put Roger Goodell on this list just for the limp dick uh, punishment that he gave to Ray Rice. Two and games. thankfully, thankfully, society and 32 NFL owners said, hell no, Ray. Good player, good career, but it's over. And what he did in that elevator to that defenseless woman against a National Football League player, um, I have nothing but angst for Ray Rice. Yeah, imagine being Roger Goodell. You make $40 million a year to do nothing, and then even when you screw up, uh, you get to keep your job, and everyone just tells you what the right thing to do was, so you can do it. And they, uh, you know, got him to increase it from two to six games at least. But it didn't really matter because he was never going to play again anyway. Didn't so that's the thing. Like it's a gimme, Roger. You could have just given him, you suspend him for the season, whatever. Suspend him for like as long as you want because he's not going to play again anyway. So it doesn't matter, right? I love the National Football League, but I got to tell you, every day, and I'm not, I'm not sugarcoating this. Every day. I lose a little bit more respect for Roger Goodell. He is got, I would think, with 32 billionaire owners that are that form his his boss, that those are his bosses, and the mon- amount of money that they pay him, um, and the NFL, in my estimation, could run just as it is right now with you and I in that commissioner's job sure. instead of this Yahoo. And I just can't believe, I just become less and less enamored every day with Jane Goodell's husband. And if he got fired tomorrow, I would think I'd have a party. And I just, the NFL basically, in my estimation, is running itself. Mm -hmm. There is a true lack of leadership at the top of the NFL. And if you want to disagree with me, please feel free to do so. But this guy is a joke in regard to a commissioner, uh, especially in a league that has an unbelievable following like the National Football League does, record numbers every year. They just get better and better, but it sure as hell isn't because of Jane Goodell's husband. Yeah, Roger Goodell just... Uh, I, I don't. I still am waiting for the owners to even justify his employment at minimum wage, never yeah. mind at any sort of uh, you know high salary, $200 million over five years. For what? Why would you have to pay him that much? Why would you have to pay anybody that much? It doesn't make any sense. There's something we don't know. Let's oh, I think he's got pictures of Jerry Jones with a farm animal. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I really like, do. He's I, gotta I have, truly believe that. He's got to just be like behind the scenes. He just does whatever they want or something, and it's ridiculous. So, And yeah, Ray Rice even offered, after all this, he offered to play a season for free, but take whatever salary, minimum salary he got and donate it all to women's I, charities, I, and they still wouldn't take them. I'm, I'm very aware of that, and I appreciate that from Ray Rice, but I still can't. There are some images in your mind yeah. that you cannot erase. And at the beginning, you know, we thought just her legs and we didn't. But then when we saw the full scope of the video, um, it's an uppercut. It's an uppercut. I mean, a a UFC guy would be proud to land a punch like that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And that's just so wrong on so many levels. Let's move on. Yeah. All right. Well, at number one, and I want to say number one, I think, is almost always going to be a UFC guy for me. And someday... I just, my biggest wish, I would stop watching the Don Zimmer tape for the rest of my life. I'd say, (laughs) I'm not allowed to watch this ever again if uh, John Jones were ever to uh, really get his comeuppance in a big time way and I could put him number one. That would be great, but he hasn't gotten his. Uh, no matter how much he screws up, he's never really gotten his comeuppance. And I, but he's he's such an ass that I think it's someday he's got to. Yeah, when you act like that over and over again every day. But for now, we're gonna go with Anderson Silva, who, oh, who okay. used to be my least favorite fighter before John Jones came along. And you can look at either fight against Chris Weidman because both were just glorious when it comes to unlimited 
just desserts here. I mean, you have the first one where he's just acting like a cocky ass and he's just like, oh, you missed me. You missed me. Missed me. Missed me. Oh. And then one of the times he didn't miss him. Yeah. And he knocked and he knocked him out so badly. And you see his head just like looks like a bobblehead. He falls down. He's knocked out so badly. He's trying to take down the referee, Herb Dean. And he was so out of it. So Wyden beats him for the title there. Then they have the rematch. And in a very it's one of those very gruesome injuries where uh, Anderson Silver breaks his own leg, kick, <laughs> kicking uh, kicking Chris Weidman, he kicks, he kicks him because Weidman had him scout and he knew to like lean your leg into a kick so it really hurts the that guy. Bring more he, force. He, well, no. So if, if someone's kicking you, you don't even have to kick back. All you have to do is just kind of what you do is called check the kick. You just like lean your knee in a bit. That's oh. a, and it just throws it off enough that you'll you'll really hurt them. Okay. Right? And so he had it scout and he was just ready and he kept doing that. And eventually one of them just like just really... Yeah. And so then... So then Anderson Silva, I mean, you'd never want to watch this, but uh, I saw it live and, or not live, but uh, on TV um, when it was happening. And he kicks him and doesn't realize he breaks leg, and then he steps on it. And it's one of those like really bad, bad, bad injuries. And he just collapses and, and the, okay, it's over like Done. right now. Yeah. So either one. And then of course now Anderson Silva has one win in his last eight fights. So you know what? Can we end the GOAT debate right now, please? You want to say... George St. Pierre, you want to say Daniel Cormier, you even want to say John Jones, you can at least make cases for them if you really want to, but, or even Stipe, like, I mean, there's a bunch of them, one of the old guys from back in the day, whatever, but you can't make a case for Anderson Silva anymore. You can't say that Anderson Silva uh, is more impressive than even John Jones, as much as I hate to say that, or any of those other guys. You, can, None of those guys would ever go uh, one win in eight fights at any you can john jones or daniel cormier or uh anyone any one of these other guys george st pierre they could they could fight at 45 years old and they would win more than one out of eight right i'm oh, just i for sure they just would i'm sorry so anderson silva he not only got embarrassed and humiliated multiple times but he's now just ruining his legacy uh, he fought Daniel Cormier at UFC 200, and Cormier said it was the easiest fight of his career. Really? You know, he's just not what he used to be, and he's one of those guys who just is hanging on too late. And I, I enjoy seeing Anderson Silva get his ass kicked every time it happens. And luckily for me, it happens all the time now. Okay, we're at uh, we're at number one. Drum roll, please. Chris always adds that drum roll. I love that. Sure. Uh, number one on my list is a no-brainer. Um, this is the former owner of the Los Angeles Clippers, Donald Sterling. Besides all the cheating and uh, the extracurricular affairs and most of all just truly being a racist, Sterling once negotiated buying a fur coat for a mistress right in front of the mistress's mother. Classy guy. Um <laughs> negotiated he negotiated with the the store clerk about a fur, for a fur, <laughs> buying a fur coat for, and and his wife was shelly was with him the whole time shelly still to this day shelly sterling still to this day keeps her seats she goes to every clippers game she's bent she was there through the whole thing she married to him still oh no they're divorced oh, now yeah, okay, but no, uh, so. she was with him all through this and uh but the best thing in my in my estimation, the best thing, and Adam Silver, I think, has done a lot of good things since he took over for David Stern and became the NBA commissioner. And this is quite a way to start, quite a baptism by fire, if you will, when you've got at the time Doc Rivers, obviously still the coach of the LA Clippers, but you had guys like Blake Griffin on the team, you had Chris Paul on the team, you had uh, the big uh, Jordan, the big center on that team. And uh, DeAndre Jordan is what I'm trying to think of. But they were very close, like very close to boycotting the rest of the season because of this pig. And I think the way Adam Silver handled this and the what he did by banning this asshole from the league for life was still number one in all the things that Adam Silver has done. And obviously Adam Silver has a lot on the line with this bubble thing going on in Orlando. But the number one thing that in my estimation that Adam Silver has done has pretty much uh, has been banning this guy, but really keeping during that time, keeping a league that is over 73% African-American, keeping it together is quite an accomplishment by Adam Silver. 
And if I don't ever read, see, or hear anything of Donald Sterling again, that would be a fine day. I know. I, and the funny thing is, I, I always want to forget his name, and I almost do. But then it's hard to forget because you just think about how it was Sterling versus Silver. Right. Yeah. And yeah. then you can't... Sterling Silver. <laughs> yeah. So you can't, or you can't forget it. But I, this was brilliant by Adam Silver because I think this one act, even though he's done a great job with all this other stuff, I think that one thing really made it so that the players were on his side correct the players loved that he did that you know he could have they really believed in him think about it this way if adam silver doesn't take this this affirmative action and do it quickly like he did he loses he loses uh any momentum any whatever of his 73 percent membership which are african-american players in the nba you're riling up three quarters of your workforce if he doesn't do something quick and decisive and he did and the NBA has been better ever since. And the best thing that happened to the LA Clippers, besides getting rid of Sterling, was getting the new guy in there, Steve Ballmer, to own this team, mm-hmm. spend some money, build him a practice facility. Mm-hmm. He's building them a new arena out there by where the new Rams Stadium mm-hmm. is out in Inglewood. Um, and everything Steve Ballmer does, he doesn't need assistance from the league. He doesn't need assistance from banks. He doesn't. He just writes a flipping check. Mm-hmm. So... The best thing that happened was getting rid of Donald Sterling and 1A was introducing Steve Ballmer to ownership of the NBA's LA Clippers. I think that was awesome. It was great. And the thing is, I don't believe that Roger Goodell or Robbie Manfred would have gotten rid of this guy. And it's not because they want to tolerate racism or anything like that or anything that insidious. It's simply because they're lazy and they don't do anything. Well, and I think that's a good point because if you ask Jane Goodell's husband, to call out Jerry Jones mm-hmm. or Daniel Schneider no, or Mr. Kraft or any of these big wig honcho guys, he wouldn't do it. I think that's got to be part of it, though. Because, again, I am I would bet my life that there's some major stuff we don't know about Roger Goodell's employment and his high pay scale. And it's got to be something like he refuses to do that. Like, his deal is you can't say anything bad about us owners. And he's he's got to have sold out to them in some way completely. Oh, there's no question. There's, there's, otherwise, he's it doesn't hiding, make any sense. He's hiding something. Oh, yeah. It doesn't make any sense at all. Like, no so, question. So clearly, he's, uh, he's, he's, he's their puppet to some degree. But, yeah, I mean, obviously, Adam Silver and Gary Bettman, I don't believe, are anyone's puppets. And uh, that's why they're doing such a good job. We've got to run. Been a great episode. Enjoyed this one a lot. Uh, great suggestion by Chris. And um, I think Chris was a little leery with a couple of my first ones that they weren't in the sports world. But again, I'm trying to expand my horizons, folks. Um, but we do have to run on this 526th episode. The 526th episode. I'll get my Walmart lips working here sooner, I hope, than later. Um, a lot of things yet to get to in our last episode of the week. Some other news and notes that we didn't get to earlier, so we'll get to them and some general conversation about whatever is on our mind from the wonderful and wacky world of sports. But having said that, for the executive producer of Unscripted, Mr. Chris Fluke, I'm Mike Jansen. Until next time.